0: A little bit of a different introduction there because Brenda took the computer I normally record with, but I am on another computer. I created a new intro for today, episode 298. Welcome. It's Sunday morning. Let's talk pinball and jump right into it. First, we want to welcome back to the pinball podcasting world, Mr. Nate Shivers. No, he's not joining the show right now, but Nate is back pinball podcasting, which is great. You should check out his latest episode. He does a little bit of a recap. It's been like four months since we've heard Nate's voice on the airwaves. I'm always excited to have Nate back pinball podcasting. He is the reason why I do this podcast. I remember when I got into this hobby, I loved turning on his show every week. So Nate, welcome back. We also want to say um, that we are going to miss Slam Tilt podcast doing their weekly show. I know they did a final like three-hour episode. So you should check that show out as well. They had all these amazing guests on. My invitation must have been lost in the mail to join the show, but it, it's really a fun show. You should go listen to it. Um, so we wish them the best. I know they're not going to do a weekly show anymore, but hopefully um, they will continue to do pinball podcasts as well. All right. So what else is going on in pinball? Before I talk about the news, before I talk about, I'm going to give you my twippy selections that I did this year. I want to talk a little bit about the last podcast we did. And it was about 2019 predictions and i got a lot of emails from people who were like ted doesn't know what a prediction is canada he keeps saying he hopes everything works out that's not a prediction and here's the thing here's the thing and i also when i was reading this week in pinball's predictions for 2019 read them go to this week in pinball and read the predictions it is really hard for people To give an honest prediction about what they think is going to happen in the pinball world. I'll tell you why. Because if you love pinball and you're excited about pinball, and ultimately if you want to be positive about pinball, it is hard, I think, to predict what you think is going to happen in 2019 because I don't think. 2019 is going to be a great year for most pinball manufacturers, okay? So if I were to ask you, how do you think Oktoberfest is going to sell? And you have a podcast or you have a website like This Week in Pinball, are you actually going to go out and say that you think Oktoberfest is going to be a sales flop? It's hard to say it, right? Because if you say it, then all of a sudden you are making enemies with American Pinball and with your friends over there or with your friends who might like American Pinball, it's hard to just say what you really think. But it is also really boring if you do predictions about pinball and you don't say firmly what you predict will happen with each game or with each company. And I think on this show, I don't hold back. So I I said, I think Oktoberfest is going to be a sales flop. I think Pirates of the Caribbean will struggle to sell in 2019. I think overall, and I meant this when I said this, I think overall is going to be a year in which Stern Pinball continues to make it extremely difficult for everybody else to compete. And it's something that has just been happening year after year. But I think the way I see it is a little bit differently now because I see it as... Stern is going to continue to improve and once they are firing on all cylinders with the amount of games they put out a year with the themes they have in pinball it is hard for me to envision a world in which many other pinball companies can survive Stern doing that and you tell me how it's going to work. Like, how is it going to be when you're trying to sell Oktoberfest versus the Munsters or James Bond or Jaws? How are you going to do it? How are you going to convince people to choose your game and not one of those games? And that is why more than ever, and we say this all the time on this show, more than ever, it is so important that these companies competing with Stern have to deliver a incredible game that is an incredible theme, that has incredible artwork, that has incredible call-outs, that, that even just does stuff uniquely, right? TNA, a completely unique experience. There is nothing at Stern Pinball that will give you the TNA experience, and that is why TNA did really, really well. All things considered, coming from a boutique company. Think about it like this. TNA will outsell Primus five to one. It's also because they're only making 100 Primuses. But even though they're only making 100 Primuses, they're not selling. Nobody wants them. Nobody wants them. And so TNA, complete opposite. People want them. People want them. And Spooky can't make them fast enough, all right? So my overall assessment, I think you're going to see more and more companies fail, and I think you're gonna see the companies that are making a profit, that know how to manufacture, I think you're gonna see them do okay, but Stern's just gonna wipe out mostly everybody. I mean, do you agree or disagree? And this is not about, see, that's the thing about a prediction. This isn't like what I wish will happen, what I hope will happen. You know, I I read a lot of people's predictions and it's like, I think they're gonna do this. Okay, what do you actually think is gonna happen? If the economy starts to turn south, And all these other companies are trying to compete with Stern, who has it all locked down. How are they actually going to survive? And I've said it before, a lot of these companies are running on fumes and 2019 will be the year where those fumes run out, okay? Do you agree or disagree? Hit me up at canadapinball at gmail.com. And ultimately, that doesn't change the fact that I love pinball. It doesn't change the fact that... I enjoy this hobby. It it doesn't mean I'm rooting for people to fail. But when someone says, this is our game, this is what we want you to buy for $7,000, $8,000, $9,000, I am allowed to look at it and say, that's not going to work. That's not going to sell well. And have I ever been wrong on this show in the sense of like calling a game or a company out? I think we were pretty good last year. So yes, I have been wrong. I, I I'm not always right. All right, I'm not the all-seeing prophet of pinball. I have been wrong, but I can tell you with 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 great certainty that a lot of the games that are coming out next year that are based on themes that people don't really want, they're not going to sell. All right, let's 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 talk about the Twippies because once a year, you out there gets a chance to vote. And tell the pinball community what you think is the greatest stuff that's happened in pinball in the previous year. And I know that it's a little late this year. The Twippies is in March. But the reason why is they wanted to do a live show at Texas Pinball Festival. So that is a good thing. Um, So I want to tell you what I voted for. Uh, on the Twippy Awards this year. And I'm just going to go down the list and tell you, and we're going to go one by one. So for best theme, based on theme only, the options are Thunderbirds, Houdini, Deadpool, Supreme, Primus, Mafia, Alice Coopers, The Beatles, Cosmic Heart Racing, Iron Maiden, and Pirates of the Caribbean. I picked, because I, if it's theme only, not, not gameplay, but theme, The Beatles by far... Has to get the vote. it it, it, it the, This is one of the biggest bands of all time. On theme alone, I gave it to the Beatles. Best animations and display Mafia, Iron Maiden, Alice Cooper, Houdini, Primus, Pirates, Beatles, Thunderbirds, Deadpool, Supreme, <laughs> Monster Bash, and Cosmic Kart Racing. All right, so best animations or display. For this one, I think the best animations and display in any game I saw last year was Alice Cooper's Nightmare Castle by Spooky Pinball. I, I love that animation and display in that game. I, I think it looks so good. I think it's perfect for pinball. I don't think it's like confusing. It's perfectly colorful. It matches the art in the game. Well done on those animations. Best light show. I'm not going to read every option. The best light show I gave to... Pirates of the Caribbean Jersey Jack Pinball. I think that game lights up like a Christmas tree because there are so many exciting inserts and RGB lighting going on in that game. Best Toys and Gimmicks. Now, I have an issue with this one because they don't allow you to vote for Monster Bash Remake in this selection. And I know the Twippy committee debated this and they said it has to be a new game, but I think that's bullshit because Monster Bash remake is a new game. It's new in box, it has new displays, it has new topper, it has new sculpts of figures. It's a new in box game that came out in 2018. Why does that why does that not get to be recognized in best toys, and gimmicks. And I'll tell you why it should be in there. Because I think people should be allowed to vote for that because I think it sends a message to all the new pinball companies out there that the best toys and gimmicks in pinball in 2018 actually were invented 20 years ago. And I do think that's an important message to send that the toys and gimmicks and games have gone south. Now, I will say this. I struggled with this one in terms of best toys and gimmicks um, because I re- none None of them, none of them had like one, oh my God, toy and gimmick that really blew me away. And, and again, it was Pirates, Iron Maiden, Beatles, Primus, Thunderbirds, Deadpool, Supreme, Cosmic Kart Racing, Houdini, Mafia, Alice Cooper. I will say this, I struggled with this category because I don't think anything that came out last year had a magical toy or gimmick. I will give this one simply because it has probably the coolest amongst this list to Jersey Jack Pinball. The rocking upper playfield pirate ship, out of everything that I just listed, is the coolest thing that came out in pinball last year. So well done on that rocking ship, Eric. Um, Best theme integration. I gave the best theme integration. This is going to make people cringe. I gave it to Supreme. Because I actually think that Supreme looks like a Supreme thing. It, it, it's exactly what Supreme does. They just slap the big logo onto it. I, if I were to vote for like a real pinball game here, I would give that probably to Alice Cooper's Nightmare Castle. All right. All right. So best music and sound effects, um, without a doubt, the, they're always great at this. Pirates of the Caribbean, Jersey Jack, Pinball. The music in that game is phenomenal, and the sound effects are also incredible. There, there's nothing like a Jersey Jack audio experience. I, I think those games stand above the rest when it comes to that. The best callouts in the game. Ah, oh, you know, it should have been Deadpool, but it, I just didn't like the PG callouts at all. I am going to give the best callouts in a pinball machine to Iron Maiden. I do think Iron Maiden has a really awesome set of call-outs. I love that they say, welcome to my world on your glass. I think they did that for me. I think so. I will never get confirmation on that. Best rules in pinball. I also gave... The best rules in pinball. It's it's early on some of these, right? We, we It's early for Alice Cooper. It's, you know, some of these haven't been fully flushed out. I know the Deadpool rules are still coming along. I gave this to Iron Maiden. I do think Iron Maiden has the best new rules in pinball. And I know probably some of you are like, how could you not vote for Pirates and Keith? I Again, you know how I feel. Too complex. The best play field, gameplay, and layout. Uh, interesting Not really interesting. You guys know what the winner here is. This game was heralded for its design. And design alone is the reason why this game sold so well because you're not the biggest fans of the band. Iron Maiden, by far, the best playfield and gameplay layout. Best artwork in a pinball machine. Oh, man, it was the year of the Yeti. Whether it's Iron Maiden, Primus, or Deadpool, I actually think, or you could argue Alice Cooper's was is really nice. I do think, though, if I look at the art packages, I gave this to Deadpool. I think the Deadpool art package that Yeti did is completely amazing. Game of the year, without a doubt, is Iron Maiden. All right. So then you go to the next page, which is where you write in your answers. The favorite pinball Twitch streamer. All right. Favorite pinball Twitch streamer I gave to Deadflip and Jack Danger. I I love Jack Danger's show. What he does for pinball and his streams are incredible. My favorite pinball podcast. Okay, unlike some other pinball podcasts out there that are actually advocating you vote for shows that aren't even theirs... Canada's Pinball Podcast. And I hope you vote for me too because it does mean a lot um, that we get recognition for this show. So Canada Pinball. Um, favorite Pinball YouTube channel without a doubt. Straight down the middle, Pinball. Zach and Greg, love you guys. Love the reviews. But if I have some advice for them, they need to start giving games C's and D's. They need to. You can't review Pinball and have everything be an A and a B. It absolutely makes no sense, and you also can't have Houdini be ranked so high. You just can't. Can't do it. Can't do it. It's just. It's just what you have to do. You know. You can't. It's like. It's like. It's like giving the Michael Bay Transformer movies A pluses if you do that. All right. Favorite pinball mod of 2018. This was another one where it was like, ah, oh, you're kind of like scratching your head. Uh, which mod? I will say this: Yellow Bird and the Mod Couple get my vote. I don't know which one of their many mods um, they've done, but I will just write in Yilo Bird and mod couple because I, I I literally love everything they create. It's incredible how they go through a game and just make all these incredible enhancements to it. Um, incredible stuff. Favorite homebrew pinball machine. I haven't been following that many of them this year, but I wrote in Airplane. I thought that one was really cool. Rookie of the Year. New designers, artists, coders, players, etc. My Rookie of the Year goes to Keith Elwin. He is a new designer in pinball, and he knocked it out of the park. My favorite pinball website. Well, that's easy. That goes to Madison Pinball. No, I'm joking. Um, it's going to go to This Week in Pinball incredible site are there really oh, I guess I guess you could vote for pin side um, that's interesting I didn't even think about that oh, man it's hard but I do I do think this week in pinball is is my favorite to go to because it doesn't stress me out my favorite pinball publication i wrote in the todd Tucky book just just to take the piss out of this category um favorite pinball location is sunshine in new york favorite pinball convention for me is tpf and favorite pinball tournament competition i mean it has to be the new york city pinball championship um and that's it that's it and then you put in your email address and you are voted in the trippies. So everyone, I hope you take the time to do this. Not just for me. Not just to vote for Canada's Pinball Podcast. But I, I, this means a lot to the companies and all the people who work really hard on these games. I really do think you should go on to This Week in Pinball and place your votes. Because if you're a fan of pinball, uh, I think you should show recognition to all the men and women who work really hard in this in this hobby. Okay, canadapinball at gmail.com. All right, and we submit, and we're good. All right, all right, so let's go on to pinball news this week. Um, I wanna talk about a few things. I finally got a chance to play the Beatles pinball, and there is one at Modern Pinball in New York City. I have to say, I give Modern Pinball credit. They now have a lot of the new games, which is good, because I used to give Steve shit over there. I'm like, Steve, you're called Modern Pinball, and nothing is modern, and now they have a lot of the new games. What are my thoughts on the Beatles? First and foremost, the game is gorgeous. It looks beautiful to stand in front of. The thing that I was most impressed about was the sound of this machine. It sounds really good. It sounds better than my Batman Super Ali. And maybe that's because the audio files they had for the game are better than the audio files in Batman, but there's just something about the sound of Beatles that's incredible. The gameplay is the gameplay is the gameplay. I mean, it's Sea Witch, it's a remake. It, it. I didn't really know what to do in the game though. I do wish the game had a few more callouts to sort of guide you in what you're trying to do. And I was kind of just confused. Like I found myself knocking down the, the targets and, and hitting Fab Four and this and that, but I didn't really feel like I was doing anything or I was on any sort of journey or mission to accomplish anything. I guess the modes in it are just really unclear to me. And, and that's, but again, it's my first time playing. There also, there was no instruction card on the game because they just had the one, you know, they had just like a modern pinball card there. So that also made it hard for me to know what to do. But I also think in pinball, if the instruction card isn't there, you should still be able to figure out what to do in the game because the game is telling you how to play it. I did notice, and this is a new game, and I know this creates a lot of debate amongst people, but I have to say this. I noticed a lot of dimples. I mean, more dimples than I think I've ever seen on a new game. So this game will dimple. For this kind of money and knowing that it's a collectible, I really wouldn't play this game until I put a playfield protector down. It. I, I don't like dimples. Do you? Does anyone like a dimpled playfield? I don't understand why that can't be solved in pinball, all right? So I noticed a lot of that. I also noticed online, the debate rages on Pinside about how this game is earning on location. And I think it's kind of an inane debate, and I'll explain why. This is not meant to be a pinball machine that is for location play, it's super expensive. I mean, the entry level of it is $8,000 and then it only goes up from there to $12,000 and $25,000, right? Why would you put a Beatles Pro on location? I don't get it. It's not meant to be a location game. If I had a location, I would only have Stern Pro machines. Stern Pro Machines break down the least. They have like 98% of the code normally, right? Almost the code is the exact same in almost every Stern now Pro and Premium. And they're cheaper. And if you're on location and you're trying to make your money back, don't you want a game... That you reach break-even point sooner, so it's a lot easier to reach a break-even point on a $5,000 pro versus a $9,000 LE. You've almost got to make twice as much money on that LE as you do on the pro. I, and also, there's always more to break down on the premium and LE games. And also, like when I see LES on location, I'm like, the LES are sp- specifically made. With nicer stuff that is cosmetic for the collector, there's nothing that really just makes me cringe more than seeing an LE machine on location beat to shit. And I, and I always cry when I see at Pioneer Bar, they've got the Batman, they've got a super LE there beat to shit. Beat to shit. Why? Why? It's a museum piece and it should not be there. So there's no there's no reason why people should be debating on uh, Beatles is good or not based upon its location earnings. I think that's so stupid. Beatles is designed to be in a collector a collector's home amongst his collection, right? It's meant to break up the monotony of every other stern LE that person has. It's not meant to be out there trying to get your dollars. And yes, like you could argue that Uh, The Beatles fan base is not running into these pinball bars right now in 2018. I would also say Beatles is not the kind of game that makes you want to hit the start button over and over and over again unless you're a Beatles fan. It's it's not, you know, and again, like when you're on location, of course games like Star Wars and Ghostbusters and Batman and Guardians and Metallica and Iron Maiden, they're going to get people to play over and over and over again uh, just because of the kinds of games they are. And I don't think Beatles has that. And that's the other point I would make about Beatles is after playing it a few times, I didn't feel the need to like want to play it again and again. And again, it really is a work of art for a Beatles fanatic. If you aren't that, I don't think it's going to provide a lot of long-term pinball fun for you. So if you have a very small collection of games, you might not want it. But it really is for the diehard Beatles fan. All right. What else is going on? So we're, there's a lot of debate around the Munsters. We are just a few days away. Two days away from the Munsters reveal at CES. And I have to give Stern credit. They've kept any leaks of the game pretty good. Normally, you know, we, we would see a shot or two, but we haven't seen much other than the leaks that have been out there. But there's still a lot of questions about the game. Now, the most debated thing happening right now is the black and white package that is going to be offered on one of the variations of the game. And originally, the black and white was supposed to be the LE. And now the rumor is that the black and white playfield and cabinet are going to be the premium of the game. And my God, I don't think I've seen more bitching, moaning, and whining on Pinside. This almost warrants a Pinside Baby episode where people are complaining about something they haven't even seen yet. We've reached that point. We've passed the Rubicon where now people are crying about something they've never even seen. Unbelievable, right? Look, I don't know how they're going to execute this, and I'm really curious to see how they do execute it, but here's what I'm worried about for next week, and we know Stern, and they always seem to do this. I think we're only going to see the pro version of the game, and I think that's going to suck. I want to see all three. If you look at how Stern has revealed games recently, they don't show you the Pro, the Premium, and the LE all together. And I think it's a mistake. I'll tell you why. Because a lot of distributors make people go in on the LE before they've seen the game and the final package of the game. You know, you can't really get a sense of what it's going to be until you fully see it. And that happened with Iron Maiden. I remember distributors were like, are you in on an LE? You got to lock in and they were selling out and we still didn't see what the package looked like. So what do I think about black and white Munster's pinball machine? All right, here are my thoughts. I don't know because I haven't seen it. I don't know if I'm going to like it or not like it. How can I, as a human being who tries to give you honest feedback on things, actually do something as ridiculous as tell you whether or not I think it's going to work or not. I have to see it. I have to see it in person. I don't think it's going to be like black and white, like bold, harsh black and white. I think it'll be like grayscale version of the artwork. I am I also am curious about one thing too. How are they going to combine the mechanisms with the playfield art? If the playfield art is black and white there is no way Stern made every single plastic, every single mech, every single screw, every single post to match the grayscale black and white theme. Do you think so? Like it's gonna look like that Twilight Zone that Great American Pinball created where the whole thing is black and white. See, if you go black and white, I think you need to go all in black and white like that Twilight Zone. I think it'll look weird If you start to implement color in random areas because your eye will go immediately only to that. So then you'll just be focusing on on like a colored pop bumper and it'll look strange. I don't know. I, I really don't know. I'll say this though. What I do love is the curiosity around this thing. Okay, There is so much curiosity about what the Munsters will look like, where the black and white will be, what will the artwork be on the LE. This is genius marketing at its best. This is why Stern always knocks it out of the park with their reveals because look how excited they have people. Even though they have people complaining, I I tend to believe that Stern has enough talented people over there to make sure what you get will look good. And I'll also tell you this. Do you not trust like Christopher Franchi to deliver like a stellar art package by now? I mean, he knows what he's doing. I'm sure he's consulting with them on on how this game will roll out. I'm excited. I'll say this, though. I was hoping that Black and White would have been the LE version of the game because I think if you're going to make a radically different art, delivery it should always be the LE and i think time and time again franchi continues to you know they always make questionable decisions with his art packages with the LE for example they gave the best art package on guardians to the pro and now they might be giving what should be the LE to the premium so i'm not quite sure it's going to work out and i always feel like they they sort of juggle franchise art packages in weird ways that don't quite work out, um, in the end. And I hope this isn't another case of that. And, you know, whereas like zombie Yeti, I think they always do put the best Yeti art package on the, the, the LE. I mean, I think they, they know what they're doing. You're paying $9,000. You should get the unique, better looking game. I mean, you're paying a lot more. Can we all agree on that? All right. What else is going on at Stern Pinball? So Primus Pinball, 100 being made. What's the deal with Primus? The, the quality control issues on this game have got a lot of people wondering what is going on and who's to blame. I want to list for you the things that I've been reading in that thread. So we all know that the flipper bats are breaking off on multiple games. So that indicates that they got a bad batch of flipper bats. So that is the supply issue. Um, the flippers are breaking. They're also, they're installing the flippers too low so that when you flip, it's actually scratching people's play fields, which is horrible. If you, if you're, if you're trying to keep this machine looking good, the score wheel is coming loose and you'll notice that when people will put up their score, like the numbers aren't all aligned and that's how it begins. And ultimately you'll end up where one of the score wheels will stop working. There are rubbers breaking. There's no service rails at all in the game. So, when you're servicing the game, the, there's nothing to hold on to and, and to, to support the game onto the, the cabinet, which is how ridiculous is that? Let's just talk about that for a minute. Come on, Stern. Come on, Stern. I, I just praised you. I said you're going to dominate in 2019, and you want people to spend $7,000, $7,500 on a Primus pinball machine which is just a reskin of Wo Nelly, and, and it's only 100 being made for collectibles for Primus fans, and you're not putting service rails in the game? How expensive are service rails? $5? This, this reeks, reeks of a cost-cutting, terrible decision. There's also, for another $7,500 game, there's no cabinet support. There's no brackets in the cabinet and we all know that Stern cabinets have been splitting and here we go again a low run high price collectible for a fan base and Stern's not you know giving the metal cabinet brackets how much are those $5 $10 and and this is the stuff that again this always comes back to bite them and it's just it's just the thing Stern if you're listening and i know you are Stop doing this. Stop cutting these corners. This is ridiculous. And I'm not talking about the flipper bats because I I know you can't control if a supplier is giving you parts that you don't know are weak until they're out in the wild. So we'll give you an excuse there. But the other stuff, there's no excuse. And I think it's time Stern starts to give all of their games um, those metal cabinet supports. Every game should have support rails. There's just things that are par for the course now for what we're paying for these games. And I hope they listen, and I hope these things make their way into all the games in the future. All right, anything else going on at Stern? If you bought a Batman Premium recently, there might be a chance that you got an Adam West signed card in your game. Stern gave 50 Batman Premium owners signed cards um, from Adam West. And that has people somewhat happy and somewhat sad because the people who bought the premiums at the very beginning did not receive those leftover 50 cards. And Stern and sort of held on to them as a way to get new sales later on in the game's run. All right, I'm going to say something, and I'm going to say it, and I'm not shilling this game. I'm not shilling this game. This is not me talking. Go into the thread. Ask people. Batman 66 after two years of being out, is starting to be talked about as being one of Stern's best machines ever. And if you haven't put time on this game with the code of where it's at, I think you're missing a great pinball experience. I'm not going to show it. I know I own it. And that's why I own it. Game is fun. Game is really deep. You know what helps me hit that left ramp, people? And, And I can do it now all the time. I just stand back a little bit. And we all have different ways we play pinball, but if you stand back a little bit, you can get a little bit of a better alignment on where the ball is on the flipper, and you can kind of line it up better. When I stand too close to the flipper bats or over the glass, I, I have a harder time with that shot. That's just my advice. Maybe it works for you. Maybe it doesn't. All right. Predator pinball machine, it's now officially changed hands. Tim Fife's game has been sold. It is now in the hands of Doc over there in Illinois. Now, Doc has like a pinball museum where people are invited to come in and play his machines. He has an aliens. He has a predator. He's got two of like the rarest, hardest, you know, to find machines out there. He just needs to put a magic Girl next to it. And he's got all three of the failed pinball ventures over the last few years, right? Now, here's the thing. I want to just clarify for all of you out there. This isn't like some mysterious way in which the game changed hands. I, I keep reading on Pinside. People are like, just just tell people what happened. Tim Fife traded his Predator machine for a Pirates of the Caribbean LE. Now, he didn't send... Like, the deal wasn't between Tim and Doc. There was a third party involved who brokered the deal. And one of the arrangements of the deal was that for this game to change hands, Predator had to go on a little bit of a traveling tour that you had to allow people to play it. So it would be, it would be brought to shows and you also would let people come in and play it that it wouldn't end up in some you know rich guy's collection that no one would ever see it again. So it that was one of the deals that they wanted to allow people who are curious about the machine, who might have lost money on it, they wanted to allow those people a chance to play it. And so if you were burned on a predator, not that this is this is not a consolation by any means, but if you were burned on On a predator deal, they will allow you free admission to come by anytime to play the machine, which I think is really cool. Here's the trouble: do Do you guys have like? How do you validate that? Like everyone's going to show up at the door and just be like, "I got burned by Kevin," and you know, and then they let you in? No, they're going to need to have to see some sort of documentation um, that you were burned. But also, who's going to try and like rip these guys off to play the machine? Because we all know it all wasn't worth it cuz the game sucks like it's it it does like we, you go look at the video of the game it's not any good it's incredible that it even got as far as it did now the other question is how many predators were made in the end we continue to speculate this there was like 8 or 9 playfields that were made so are there that many games out there in the wild and where are they we we probably will never know because this is not the kind of game that people are like raising their hands and being like I've got one I've got a predator because the second you do the second you do it brings the mob at your door so I would never reveal to the world if I had a predator I I have to be honest part of me was considering grabbing Tim's machine just to piss off Hilton but you know what it's a new year it's a new me. I'm burying the hatchet of any ill will with anybody in pinball. And we're going to move forward with, with a more positive approach. It's not worth it. Now, speaking of positive approach, let's talk about Jersey Jack pinball a little bit. Because here's the thing. Here's the thing. I've been getting a bunch of emails from people as well saying that I'm too hard on Pirates of the Caribbean. And that I need to root more for Jersey Jack Pinball so that they get to Willy Wonka and Toy Story. And to those people, I say, I am not being unfair on this game at all. I don't think I am. I I see this game in, 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 a, in a mixed bag of things I love about it, things I don't like about it. But if you go on to the pin side thread right now, Pirates of the Caribbean Owners Club, just go in it, read the last 10 pages of it, Read the last 10 pages of what ownership has been like for people. It is a troubleshooting thread. It's picture after picture of people trying to fix things in their games. And I can't remember a new Stern release other than Iron Maiden in which people have had nothing but repetitive issues with the game. And all I'm saying is this is the price you pay when you try to put a lot into pinball machines, it's a lot more difficult to make a game bulletproof when you're trying to do what Jersey Jack is doing. And so that is why we have seen Stern remove a lot of the mechanical complexities to their games, and, and Jersey Jack has gone the opposite route, right? They're trying to engineer a lot more complex stuff. And look what's happening. Now, look, you know which side of the fence I'm on when it comes to what I would love to see in pinball. I would love to see more magic. I would love to see better toys, better mechanisms, more complexity under the under the glass. I, that's what I want, okay? But I also want to make it so that the games are designed in a way that don't break left and right. And so, you know, I, I don't know. There's There's also like a lot of... It's always hard to say... You know, can you do it? Can you make a game that has a lot of stuff going on in it that is also pretty bulletproof? And, you know, you can go back to the games of the 90s, and I hear both arguments of, like, those games used to have issues all the time, but I'll say this. When you put a 90s game in a home environment, they last pretty well because those games were meant to be to take an abuse in the arcade. But it's also pinball, and someone might get a perfect game and some, someone might get a game where the wires broke and they were manufactured in the same place by the same people on the same assembly line and shit just happens the other thing is this and I'll say this too because I, I want to be fair to Jersey Jack people often post when they have problems with their games on pin people don't post got my game and it's perfect Right, they're just they're just home enjoying their game, and that is why pinside and the forums oftentimes lead us to believe that the problems with a game are more widespread than they really are, and that's why it's hard because it, you never get a, a a sample size that is accurate on on whether or not the quality is good across the board because it, it's if you go into the thread pirates, it seems like everyone's having issues. But that can't be the case. Uh, it can't be the case, right? Some people's games had maybe one thing. Some people's games had nothing wrong and they're just working out of the box. These are really these are really complex toys that have a lot in them and stuff just happens when they move around a lot. And you just don't know. Like some guy screws in a post too tight and some guy's pirates play fields chipping. The next guy doesn't have that issue. Some guy's Pirate cannon is misaligned, and the ball keeps firing and hitting the right of of the ship. The next guy's game is fine. Like, how does that happen, right? Well, it happens. It, it's it's why it's why the secondhand market is is very appealing to many people because they can buy a game where all the problems have been ironed out, and they won't be your headaches. I'll say this though too, it is a headache to spend a lot of money on a pinball machine and have something go wrong. I really don't enjoy playing pinball. If just one thing on my game is off, one thing—if a light is out, if a switch isn't working—pinball is crazy when you think about it. When one just when just one one-dollar part fails, a nine-thousand-dollar game is almost unplayable. I mean, think about that—that's that, incredible. When you're, when you're in a car and there's like something's rattling under the dash, it's, you still can drive the car fine. It might be a little annoying, but pinball can be knocked down by one simple little thing. One wire, you know, the soldering breaks on one wire, or the solder, right? And you can't play the game properly and you don't want to play it. I also think that most people who buy expensive games and collectors, you know, you don't really want to be under the hood very often. And most people's ability to work on pinball machines is very limited. If I was a pinball repair and service guy, I would love companies like Jersey Jack. I would be a certified Jersey Jack, you know, repair guy. I I think you'd have a lot of work. Um, So that's just pinball. Uh, I do think, though, across the board, and I think you guys notice this too, there is a lack of proper testing of these games on location. And because of that, right, the desire to keep these games secret and, and create that hype to buy it has led to a lot of quality control issues. And we have to look no further than Primus. If Stern, you know, got the batch of parts from a supplier and put that game on location, they would have found out in day one that there was a problem. The problem is they didn't do that. There is no testing anymore of these games. And so the first person who finds out that the parts are defective is the customer. And now they're screwed. They've made a hundred games with defective parts and they've already shipped them to people with a known defect that will probably break on everyone's machines. I loved when I saw Jersey Jack putting dialed in out on location. To make sure that everything was working properly, and Pat Lawler would visit, and they would take notes on areas of where where things were breaking, where do we need to add some mylar, yada yada yada, right? But that used to be the standard of pinball, and so that is where we're at today. We are really are compromising a manufacturer's ability to make a great quality game because they don't want to eliminate the hype of the game by revealing it too soon. And you see what I'm saying? Like Stern can't have this hype if Munsters was revealed three, four months ago and it's been on location for two months and people get to play it and then they're going to make the final version of it uh, once... Uh, you know all the quality control issues have been discovered on location they just they won't do that because they know that if the game's been revealed for two months come two months later when the game is finally into production there's no way they'll create the hype and the demand for it it just it just won't be there because we are we live in an ADD culture where we just want something we see tomorrow we don't want to wait and if we have to wait we don't really want it that much anymore we're on to the next so It's a little bit of a shame. Um, It's kind of just the state of where pinball is at, okay? Now, I did see Pirates of the Caribbean. um, It's starting to sell on the secondhand market already, and it is pretty quickly. I mean, these games just got to consumers, and one just sold with 27 plays. 27 plays, and you're like, I'm out. Kind of weird. Why would you buy it if you didn't know you wanted it? I'll never understand that dynamic in pinball people. Um, But the prices that two LEs have sold for uh, $8,750 and $8,900. So they're already heading south. It makes sense. I mean, every new pinball machine you open up now is going to be worth $500 to $1,000 less than you paid for it pretty immediately. If I had to project where I think Pirates of the Caribbean LE prices will be in a few months, uh, it, is, it will fall exactly around where Dialed In is. You will see Pirates of the Caribbean LEs for $8,000 to $7,500. I think when Toy Story and Wonka are revealed, uh, the prices of these games will keep going south. And it is amazing to me that Jersey Jack games, for the most part, uh, don't hold their value tremendously well. Uh, you can go get a Hobbit Smaug LE for 6 to $6,500. I mean, it's a great buy. Don't get me wrong. These are great buys. Um, but why don't they hold their value better? And, 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 and it's I, I, maybe, maybe it's in line with where, where Stearns are at. It probably is. But I just know how much it costs them to make these games. And the higher price point means the depreciation on them is greater. And so it's just going to have a lot of people thinking, you know, if I want to buy a Jersey Jack game, it does start to look like it makes more sense to buy the game secondhand. Now, here's the big problem with that. When you buy the game secondhand, Jersey Jack doesn't see a penny of that money. So the company, does it doesn't benefit them that Pirates of the Caribbean might be selling for 1000 to $1,500 off MSRP on the secondhand market, so close to the game's being out, because when that happens, um, you're in trouble for new sales. Like people aren't are gonna just go wait, and if they see the market going south on the game, they'll just wait. They'll they'll get the game in a year or two when the code is finally finished, and and they'll pay two thousand dollars less, and that's a lot. That's a lot of savings on a pinball machine. All right. All right, but again, like I I want to just say for those people who want me to be nicer to Pirates of the Caribbean, I'm glad you enjoy the game. I think that the game has a lot of cool stuff in it. It, it is a fun experience, right? All right, it, 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 but here's here's it. I, I'm just going to be brutally honest. There is only one reason why I will never own a Pirates of the Caribbean. There's only one reason. It's not because of the code. It's not because of the inserts. It's not because of like wires breaking. It's not because of like no treasure chest. It's not because the discs don't spin. There's only one reason why I will never own a Pirates of the Caribbean. I hate the theme. I don't like Pirates of the Caribbean. I am not a fanatic of that film. I love the first movie. I love it. The first movie is awesome. It was refreshing. You know, Johnny Depp as Captain Jack Sparrow, as, you know, Keith Richards inspired pirate. Super funny. I don't understand. He's not in the game at all. My favorite character, the only thing I enjoy in that franchise is watching silly Johnny Depp in the first movie and, and Kieran Knightley and, and Orlando Bloom. Like Those three characters, the way they interact are amazing. None of them are in the game. You can't even see them in the game. The theme integration is not there. It makes no sense. If they had just made a pirate game, an original pirate game, or based on the Disney ride Pirates of the Caribbean, it would have been much better. But it's so weird to me. And because that, because I don't like those movies, I just never want to own a Pirates of the Caribbean. It's the same way I will never own an Iron Maiden because I don't like Iron Maiden. I'm allowed to not like a band, okay? Okay, it's that simple. I am not the kind of person who says, well, if the pinball game is good enough, I don't care about the theme. Uh, ding, ding, ding. Welcome to Dial Din's approach to giving you a pinball machine. And we all know how that's sold, okay? That's where I'm at. I only want a pinball machine that is based on a theme I love. I think to me, that is what pinball is all about. A theme I love. And look, if you're going to go original, that's cool. People, I will say this. I, I feel like people love total nuclear annihilation. They love that theme more than dialed in. They, they just do. It's easier to explain to people, I'm in this like modern future and I need to like blow up eight reactors and make the game blow up. It's, like, like, it's a cooler storyline than dialed in. It's a better story than dialed in. And that is why dialed in is what it is. And there are uh, there are original themes out there waiting to be made or IPs that are open IP. That's the other thing. There is open IP out there. Do you understand? Like, go look at IP laws, like books that were written, uh, you know, 85 years ago. And plus, all that stuff is open IP. You can go make a pinball based on it without having to pay anyone a damn dime, right? So, Go, go get one of those themes and go make a pinball machine based on them, all right? Anyway, that's my thing. Theme matters a lot more than people will ever admit. All right. Should I read some of your emails? I've had some emails recently. Let me read a few of them. All right. So I got an email from Tim Wendt, and Tim writes, Hi, Chris. I think you should take credit for predicting American pinball would do well with Houdini. You've given kudos to Spooky for delivering 500 units of TNA, If the serial numbers are an indication Houdini has sold over 500 units several months ago, new owners are still unboxing in the Houdini thread. API has sold and manufactured over 500 units in their freshman effort. It took spooky three titles and two contract titles to attain a 500 unit success. Although you don't personally like Houdini, but the vast majority of us owners love the machine and you should take credit for it being a successful prediction. Well, cuz I said in in 20 in 2018 prediction show that I thought that Houdini would do well for American pinball. And so, Tim, thank you for the note. Um here's the thing. I'm glad that you guys are enjoying your Houdinis and it is a a a, a good milestone to hit for a new pinball company to make 500 units of the game. And so, I, I look, I if you consider all of the hurdles AP had to overcome. They're, look, and these were self-imposed hurdles. Hiring J-Pop, having him putz around with Magic Girl, having John design a Houdini that didn't work. The fact that they went from that debacle to a game in box in less than a year was incredible. It, it, was, an inc- it was probably the greatest feat of pinball manufacturing getting a working Houdini to people. Now, I think people paid the price in terms of layout because there was no whitewood. Like, that, that effort to get it out quickly resulted, I think, in, in what ultimately became um, a, a, a frustrating layout for a lot of people. But, but for those who are good at pinball, I hear that it's okay. Like, you learn the shots. That's fine. So, look, I won't take full credit. But my thing is this with, with American Pinball. And this is just an interesting marketing thing that I think they need to think about. So let, let me run two scenarios by you. Because in my head, I still look at Houdini and I don't consider it to be successful. Imagine this. Imagine a world in which AP, in their freshman effort, just to get things going, they said, we're only going to make 500 Houdinis. Right? And then they made 500 and they all sold. Now it sounds like a success story. We sold out of our first effort and now we're going to increase the number of Oktoberfest to maybe 750. The problem with making an unlimited amount of games, it then becomes hard for me to look at a company and say, "Well, were you successful in achieving your goal? Did you did you achieve it?" And and again, like this is just a very basic marketing thing. When someone says it's sold out, it sounds really successful. It doesn't sound really successful when you're like, "Well, we made 500" But we want, because we know when we interviewed like Josh and company over there, that they wanted to sell a lot more than that. So you know what I'm saying? It's, It's optics on how successful this game was for them. Now, what I would love to see, and we'll never see this, I would love to see total sales numbers of games by all manufacturers, just so we could honestly look at who actually succeeded, right? Which games? actually drove sales and what, what the volume was. We'll never see it. None of these companies are publicly traded. There's no, there's no, you know, we're never going to get that information, but who finished first, second and third in sales and pinball. Um, and what were their goals? Like what was, what were the sale goals, the sales goals of Houdini? Was it, was it 500? Was it 700? Was it a thousand? I don't know. I don't know, but I'll say this, I'll say this. It was a good freshman effort. I'm really concerned about the sophomoreic effort. I'm not, I'm not from a design standpoint. Again, as I just said, I just think they got the theme wrong. And I don't know why Dovil and Normal over there, who are running this company, would let Oktoberfest be the one that they made. I, I that, to me is is a top executive decision. It's just as mind baffling to me as Pat Lawler telling Jack it's going to be a game called Dialed In and he says, yup, go ahead. I don't get it. I don't understand it. So we'll see what 2019 holds for them. All right, next email. All right, this is from Francesco. He says, hey, Chris, some constructive criticism. Next time you do a prediction show, please include a guest that actually makes a prediction. I hope, I'm not sure, are not answers that typically make for great predictions episode I felt your pain at times and it was like pulling teeth to get any sort of appropriate response given the context of the episode Ted seems like a nice guy but damn that was frustrating I'm not even counting the fact that he thinks Mike at Homepin is doing a good job seriously WTF love the show otherwise it's the best pinball podcast period not even close and that's from Frank Francesco um Frank, thank you for the note. I know I talked about this at the beginning of the podcast. Ted is an amazing guy, he's super fun, he's super jolly. I actually like having him be the yin to my yang because I think when we do predictions, Ted is the forever optimist and I am the forever fatalist when it comes to most of these pinball companies and what and, and their viability in, in in surviving in the, in the pinball world in, in the future. okay? that's just the way we, we I think we both look at it. Um, but it was a, I hope you enjoyed it though. I know it can get frustrating. And if you have a pinball prediction, let me let me let me open it up for you guys out there. If you have a 2019 pinball prediction that you would like me to read on air, please share it with me at canadapinball at canadapinball@gmail.com and I will read your predictions on the air. You know what? I'll make an entire episode dedicated to that. Your predictions for 2019 and but, but what this requires is two things. The first thing it requires is for you to go on to This Week in Pinball and vote for me for Best Pinball Podcast. The second thing it requires is for you to email me your 2019 prediction at canadapinball at gmail.com. And if you want to also do an audio file, you can send me an audio file of your prediction and I will air you speaking and you articulating your pinball prediction. How does that sound? Does that sound fair? Can I get enough of you out there? I know there's there's over like 1,500 listeners to this show. Can I get at least, if I can just get like 15 of you to email me, then we have a show. Is that, is that fair? 10% of the audience do this? Okay, everyone, have a great Sunday. Get ready for Munsters. Let's see if we get more than the pro revealed and let's see how people react to the black and white play field that is about to be revealed by Stern Pinball, the only pinball company that gives you four to five reasons to complain or get excited each year. Everyone, have a great day.